take your Bibles and open to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, the Word of God takes precedence over all things done, even those things that are done within the church. He said, Thou hast magnified Thy Word above all Thy name. And all we know of God came from the Word of God, and all we know of ourselves and of life came from the Word of God. And the Bible says the more of it you get, the more wisdom you'll have, which will give you an understanding, and you'll have skill for living. So, but today, you know, once again, we're, we're in the book of Ephesians and we're looking at things that are too wondrous for us to understand. I wish I could say I have a full grasp of these things. Uh, by and by when I see him, I will know even as I also, even also as I am known. Amen. So we'll get it someday. We strive to get it now. We're in Ephesians chapter 3. This will be a continuation or a finish, a completion of what I started last week concerning the length, the depth, the breadth, and the height. We're in Ephesians 3. In verse 14, he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you may, uh, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, so you see here at verse 19, you can know something that can't be known. How do you do that? You can know God's love that passeth knowledge because it's something that you experience in Him. By knowing truth, you'll know His love. And so we do know that the, the love of Christ is, reaches further than the universe. And the Bible says that heaven and earth are actually contained in Him and He filleth heaven and earth. And so He's so great with His love. He is love. So the universe is filled with His love. It's interesting. You know, when it's all said and done at the very end of all things, when it's all said and done and the new heavens and new earth are created, the only wrath that's going to be taking place is, in, is on that lake of fire in, in, on earth. Out of the whole universe when He remakes the, new he the heavens and the earth. So it's a wonderful thing that we're headed for. And so we're studying tonight, I'm looking at it from a biblical perspective, and it's contrary to science. These are not scientific truths. Paul said, avoid oppositions of science, falsely so-called, because they're false. And the reason being is science has no faith. Science has no true answers. They concocted. Satan helped them out by illuminating them to this Big Bang Theory and evolution and the fact that the universe is ever-expanding because of this bang. Everything is spreading outward and the Bible does not teach that at all. So they throw out the Bible view of both man and the earth and what they want to do is belittle the importance of the earth and the belittle the importance of man and tell you that there's life all over out there in the universe and we're trying to find it. Now, I don't know if we ever found it, what we're going to say to those folks. 
we're going to tell them Jesus saves. Amen? That's what we're going to, we're going to. I'm joking. There's no life out there. This is life here. The whole Bible is about the present earth. And then the future earth that comes, God gives us a little bit of a tidbits on that. But modern science hates God. We know that. And He's, he's the enemy of modern science. Because even scientists, they want to know, they want to be their own God. They want to fully understand without God. It's impossible. And they want to live the way they want to do and not have God tell them what to do. So that's impossible also. And so, you know, I, one, day I, one day long ago, I went through, I shouldn't have done it. I went through the bookstore and I was looking at these uh, science books and what they've been putting out as of late. And this is, the, this is what I saw. The God Delusion. This is a book. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend going after that one. You'd be deluded after reading it. The God Particle. So they're taking science, they're adding God into it, but they're belittling and re trying to refute God. God in the new physics. God in the folly of faith. God, the failed hypothesis. That sounds pretty scientific, doesn't it? God in the universe. So they are anti-God. They're not going to know a thing. I'm telling you. If, to be so foolish. He taketh the wise in his own craftiness. To be so intelligent that you think that man slithered out of a mud hole somewhere as a, as a salamander or something and turned into a man through millions of years. It's insane. It's delusional. Okay? And, but us who are saved, God says, why can't you just listen to me and learn the truth? So we're going to try to do that tonight. We do have a clock. I'll stay, on, I'll stay with that and, and do my best. He said, I want you to comprehend what? The breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ. These are two separate things. So the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height have nothing to do with the love of God. The love of God is found in those and around those and surrounding those. But so we are looking at the earth. You know, you think about me, your positioning on the earth. And I think about where I live. I'm in the southwest part of the... I'm, I'm uh, north of the equator. So I'm actually looking a little bit to the north, though we live in the south. When I look straight out off the earth, straight up, I'm looking towards what? Out. Right? I'm looking out. And what I find, if you just look, when you, do, when you go out in the morning when you pray and realize this and say, you know, God, you positioned me in an amazing place, in the dead center of your creation. I'm in the middle of it all. So we see the sun, the moon, and the stars, they're moving all the time. If there's no cloud cover, you can watch it tonight. They're going to move. The sun moved today. It came up and it went down. We talked about all this last week. And so we know that there are no other life out there. There's no other earth. So what we want to try to do is get a little practical and understand the truth. And what I decided to do was write a very basic little thing here. Uh, this here is the universe. All right? This is the universe. And so as I see it, we're going to talk about this. There's a certain things that a Christian ought to know. So I'm going to try to help you to learn some of these things. It's who you are in this world and then who you are 
in the kingdom of God. The Bible says we are pilgrims. We are strangers on this earth. You know, when you got saved, you realized it's more than ever. I don't even belong here. I belong somewhere else. Where is that where I belong? I belong up in heaven. I belong where God is. I belong in my heavenly home. But for a while now, I'm on a mission. I am in the center of the earth, and I am to walk as a pilgrim. Not get too settled in. This is not your home. You know, I think it needs to be reiterated what I said last week. Lost man who never gets saved, he's home. He will live here forever and ever and ever. He will be part of the earth forever and ever and ever. If he dies in his sin, he will go into the hell which is in, below our feet in the center of the earth, and he will wait the judgment seat of, or the judgment, the great white throne judgment. And if he obviously will find himself without faith, and he will be cast into the lake of fire, which will be on the new heavens and new earth, and he will be there forever and ever and ever. Those who never get saved, they are home. Now us who get saved, we are far, far from home. So heaven is in the north. Job says it, it's in, the strong, it's in the furthest reaches of the north as you can get. That's where you belong. You didn't know you were a Yankee, did you? Man, I used, we're not. This goes far beyond Yankeeism. This goes, far, this goes all the way up into, past the heavens into the third heaven, heaven itself. So earth's not home. Heaven is above. That's called the height. Our true home is in the height. So our place of origin, we were born, uh, the Bible says we're born from above, and our names are written in heaven, so we have a destiny in New Jerusalem is our mother. Galatians 4.26 says that the New Jerusalem is our mother. So our spiritual mother. So hell is beneath us. Heaven's above us. Hell is beneath us. Hell is under your feet. It's the depth. And, you know, it ought to shake you to think about what's going on under there. Down there. Things that we can't imagine that are taking place. And we're in the middle of these things. And things going on. So the torments and the people that are having to, to spend their, their eternity down there, uh, we, don't, we shouldn't be ignorant of hell. We should always remember it. If you always remember hell, you'll be a great soul winner. If you keep your mind on heaven, you're a great soul winner. If you see people for who they are, never dying souls out there, you'll be a great soul winner. You'll be behooved to tell everybody if you just keep these uh, truths in mind. So what is it? All about us are people? Everywhere you go, everywhere you look, people. The breadth and the length are everywhere. So how do you conduct yourself around a place where you are a sojourner, you don't belong, and you're a stranger and a pilgrim in the earth. How do you conduct yourself? The Bible says it's circumspectly. You are aware. Circumspectly means to walk a straight path but be circular. You're looking everywhere as you go. You know, people who walk dark alleys and never look, think about what's behind you, they're not being circumspect. You, know, you, you can walk this way and be circumspect to what's behind you. You can also kind of through your peripheral vision know what's going on this direction. That's called circumspect walking, which is found in Ephesians. Uh, also, uh, we've, we've talked about that before. It's peripheral vision. Doesn't the Bible call it the four corners of the earth? There's four corners to the earth, but we also know that the earth is round. 
God sitteth on the circle of the earth. He sits on it sometimes, which means He sits on His footstool, and He sits there and He observes His creation. So when you walk through this earth, you are to learn people. You ought to learn why people behave the way they do. You ought to learn yourself. You ought to learn the truths of God so you can walk circumspectly. And this is it. In a physical world, but also a spiritual world. Did you know that the average person never considers the spirit world unless they're thinking of ghosts and the dead? They don't think about the spiritual warfare that we fight, I promise you. Every day of your life you deal with it. And you don't probably even realize it. We live our life by the sin of the eye. We don't realize how the, the troubles the, and the opposition and the hindrances and our adversary, what he sends against us every day through all the different fronts. I mean, he fights multiple fronts against us, but a Christian who gets it and understands, I, I'm living in not only the physical realm, I'm living in the spiritual realm. I have a mortal enemy, Satan. He's got a huge army, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I'm going to live by faith and I'm going to fight back, and I'm, but I'm going to walk circumspectly. You have the prince and the power of the air, which is basically, when you study it, the prince and the power of the air, he roams the heavens. Is basically it. He roams space. And he has a dictator. He actually, he dominates this. The Lord has allowed him to until the time has come. He has princes, rulers, darknesses, and the Bible calls it spiritual wickedness in high places. We're to know this. You can't get too mad at, the, at, the, uh, at your boss. There's spirits behind it. Don't get too mad at your cantankerous neighbor. Neighbor. There's spirits working. Don't, I mean, you can get upset at the government. There's not much you can do is pray, but there's a lot of evil spirits working within the government. We're in a war. And we're on a mission. And we are to walk circumspectly as strangers and pilgrims. Walking in wisdom of our surroundings. That gives you true purpose and reason for your life. And you understand who you are in Christ. So what we want to do is be able to discern this mixture of physical and spiritual world that we dwell in and, and deal with. The mix of it. And how they interact. The workings of this world. The Bible says all the foundations of the earth are out of course. And it, 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 just think about that. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. 1 John chapter 5. So, what we find is, and I'm, I'm about to show you something here. You know, the tabernacle that was given to Moses and they made it was a picture of the heavenly tabernacle. I fully believe there's a mercy seat in heaven right now and the blood of Christ is, upon, is on, that mer on that seat. And that's what keeps you saved. It's efficacious. It'll keep you saved forever and ever and ever. Jesus' blood was not spilt. It was shed. And it was preserved and kept so that all men could be saved. But the tabernacle is a pattern after the heavenly things. And God told Moses, make this picture. So the tabernacle is a hidden picture. you got the Holy of Holies at the top. That's where God lives. That's heaven. That's the third heaven. That's called paradise. But this is the sides of the north 
where Satan wanted to live right here. He, and he not only wanted to live here, he wanted to live and have a seat right next to God. And he wanted to be above every angel and all of God's creation. Well, God said, you, you wanted the height of the height, you're getting the lowest of the low. This is the holy of the holies. The city of heaven itself, or the, the uh, heaven, we'll just say, is the holy place that is found in the tabernacle. The holy place. I hope I have time to show. This little band right here, it's bigger than, I, than I'm making it out to be. This big band is a big, it's called the deep. The great deep. It's an expanse. It's found all throughout the book of Psalms and the book of Job that there's a frozen band of ice. I guess it'd have to be frozen if it's ice. And it's called the great deep. And nobody can pass that great deep unless God allows you to. Under it is the second heavens. Space, as we call it. Outer space. This would be your stars, all your galaxies, all the stuff scientists call all this, in the solar systems, the many, are taking place. And then down here below, you have Earth at the center. Now this is very important to understand that, okay, this is it. It's like a huge clock. The universe is like a huge clock. And this is what I've been trying to get at for two services. You have the, the, you know, the sun and the moon are very important. And the planets. You know, I, you can go out there right now and you can watch Venus go by on a clear night. And Jupiter most of the time. And at other times you can see Mars and you can see uh, uh, Mercury. You can see these things. And on rare occasion, you can see Saturn and some of these others, even with the naked eye. They are constantly moving. We know that the sun is moving because the Bible says so. And then the moon dictates the tides and the seasons. So all of the space dictates our seasons that we live in. Not the, I, I Don't get too mad for saying It's not the fact that the earth is closer to the sun in the summer, even though that's probably true this it's that's probably true but it's it's a time clock okay the years go by I was thinking how how quick did the last year go by it went by so fast did I walk circumspectly within this earth and do my and, and understand my purpose and point of where I'm at and then where I'm going and dwell therein and live for where I'm going rather than thinking this is my home. i got to make the best out of it. So it's like a huge clock. So the sun, the moon, and the planets would be like the hands on the clock. They're moving pretty quick. The constellations and all the stars would be the numbers on the clock. And the planets and the, are moving th through and in front of all these stars. Now we could talk about this for a solid month and uh, maybe we should. Maybe we should just actually do this. Time is kept according to these ordinances and God, you know, all calendars are based upon this. I know our calendar that we use is based upon the sun, the Gregorian calendar. The Jewish calendar is based upon the, the, new, the moon. The lunar calendar, it's probably more accurate because it came from God in the Bible, which we know it would be. And so we look out, knowing all, and then the earth is the hub where all is set. 
So everything is, I, I tried to say this last week, the earth, I believe, it may be turning, but it's still. It's fixed. It's got foundations. It's settled. It's perpetual. It was the second thing God made besides His own home. He made the earth. He made all of this for this. This didn't just show up as an uh-oh or an afterthought. No, the, the whole everything is based upon little old earth. What well, they call it? The third rock from the sun. No. It's earth. God made it for unbelievable reasons. Think about what's going on. And so all this is turning around it. The earth is in the center of the universe. Everything else is expanded around it and heaven's at the top. That's what, of course I told you that last week. I, I believe, I, by the way, I still believe that even after thinking about it for another week. Now, we live in a physical world. We live in a spirit world. We dwell in something called time. You know what? Time is the biggest instrument of measurement in all creation. You know God measures every man's worth and life on time, on how they use their time, how they utilize their time. How they live out their short 80 years or whatever the Lord gives us. Lord willing, hope it would be a lot more than that. On this earth, time is the measuring device of all things. It's dictated by heaven and earth. you got your years, your seasons, your months, your days. But it's measuring your life. My time on this earth. You know... It measures your works. It weighs your works. Does there some weight to them? Are they worthy? It measures your value to God. Your time does. Now, and how you spend your time. And what you do with your time. It dictates your eternity. If you don't receive Jesus Christ in time while you have your chance, your eternity set forever and ever. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior... While you're on this earth, living in this mortal body, your time, your eternity set. You will live with God and dwell with Him forever and ever and ever. But what you do with your works and your motives and your heart and your desires in your life, God takes every second in account. Every, and it's a good thing because He will reward you according to to how you do this. So you dwell in the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. And what is it? So I look at it as time is that hidden fourth dimension that brings it all together. Every measurement on earth has, it matters nothing without time being involved. So you use time to see and distinguish the physical and the spiritual world. You're lost today where you, you, you just... You said, boy, I let that one get away from me. I don't know what happened there. I, I didn't do much. That one got away from me. Well, you failed to, just, you failed to distinguish some things and realize and, and, and walk circumspectly in wisdom. And what does the Bible say? Redeeming the time. So we are a royal priesthood. The Bible teaches this. It's a beautiful thing. You, God made you a priest. 
God made you a king unto Him. And what are we doing? We're serving in a literal but spiritual tabernacle. And it's called the heavens. Did you know in the, in the tabernacle, there was the first thing when you walked through the gate, you know, you had all of this going on around them. The courtyards. They weren't in the tabernacle at the time. But on, it, it, I'm just pointing to the earth because this is the brazen altar. This is where Jesus died. So the brazen altar in the tabernacle, that's where the death took place and the sacrifice, right? And they, the fire was underneath it, which represents hell, by the way. The, the purging, but the, the deathly fires of hell, the judgmental fires of hell, but the sacrifice went on the top. So the cross was directly above hell. And Jesus suffered death and hell for every man. Well, salvation is obtained right here on the earth. Can't get it anywhere else. You can't go up to the heavens and get saved. You get it while you're here on this earth. And then, between us, you know, I'm, I hope you know a little bit about the tabernacle. If you're trying to get to God, and not just heaven, trying to get into his, in His very throne room, right before God, in His presence, you start off on earth getting saved from hell. And you put your faith in Christ. Alright? So that automatically makes you live above the sun, because all mortal men that are not saved live under the sun. Ecclesiastes says their life is meaningless and they all know it. Well, not us. We live above the sun. And this, this, is, this big expanse of the deep, I would liken it to the brazen laver, which is cleanliness of everyday living. You know, every time the priest made a move in the tabernacle, they had to wash their hands. They had to clean their feet. They washed up before they made a move toward God or they made a move and went out to see men. They washed their hands. That is right directly in front of going into the holy place. Right here. This is called the great deep, which I liken it to the brazen labor of the Old Testament. They are preparing themselves by washing up to enter into God's presence. So, this is supposed to be heaven right here. It, is, it lies four square, the Bible says. And I think it, well, I'm not even going to attempt to say how high its walls are. They're very, very tall. Because it's just as tall as it is wide and just as tall as it is broad. 1,200 miles? 1,200 miles or 1,500 miles. So, think about this. You know what goes on right here? You know how, if you want to dwell right here, you got to do what the priest did. You know what the priest did? They maintained the table of showbread every day. They put fresh bread on the table that signified the Word of God. It was laid out in six loaves on the table. It had six loaves and then another row of six loaves. What does that stand for? The 66 books of the Bible. How interesting. So here it is. And they sat there and they would eat that after a while. They would present it before the Lord. Then they would eat it. Well, if you want to dwell with God and overcome the world, you've got to read your Bible every day. You should try to learn something from it fresh every day like a fresh loaf of bread. Okay, also, there's a golden candlestick there. There was... It had, a, it had seven lamps of fire and they were burning olive oil on wicks. So it illuminated the light. That's the Holy Spirit 
you walk in the Spirit of God every day, not according to the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's something very important. Have been led of the Holy Spirit. By doing that, you're just as good as already living up in here. Okay? And then, there was also an incense altar where they prayed. You know, it always goes back to these three things every time. Bible, prayer, and walking in the Spirit. That's, that's your Christian life right there. That's your priestly work toward God. You enter in, you read His Word, you partake of His bread, you get the light shining on the bread so you can understand it, illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And then you go and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you, and then you pray after doing so, you pray on what you read, what you learned, what you saw, what you partook of. You give honor to God, and it puts you above the deep. You're dwelling here. Well, guess what? There's still another level. That's the holiest of all, what the Bible calls the Holy of Holies. This is God's very throne. And according to Hebrews 4, any of us can go boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Anytime you want. But you're going to have to clean up and you're going to have to do the priestly work. You want to get close to God? Confessing your sins on a daily basis and cleaning up and then walking in those three things and then enter in. You enter in through the veil. Guess what? You're in the very throne room of God. Now that's just the picture of the universe. So what happens? And, and I, we're about to pray here, but we see hell. This is it. The length, the death, the breath, and the height. We see hell. And you need to see this in the eye of faith. Beneath the depths. And know it's there. Heaven's above. It's a real place. It's your home. I'm longing for home. Then you look out at the creation all around you that God made and you give Him honor and glory. And you look at all the souls that need Christ. And then you walk in the light as He is in the light. And this is what you do. You understand how time, space, and matter all come together involved in eternity. Your works, God even likens our works to His precious stones, Gold, silver, precious stones, durable goods. That's, your, that's just your works for God. And what are we saying here? We comprehend some things. Can we understand this? No. But you, you get it in the Spirit and you understand there's more to it than just me and my little bubble. Mm -mm. We comprehend with all saints. Everybody ought to try to learn this. With all saints, we comprehend it. Therefore, by doing so, you can really get grounded in love and you can enjoy the love of God which passeth knowledge and have the peace of God which passeth understanding. You can have things it's not even possible to have on this earth, but you've got to do this. You have to do this. And time is that element. You know, we look at it... Well, we've got about 17 minutes left before we end church. What are you going to do with that 17 minutes? Some people are saying, I'm going to hope the clock speeds up quick.
it's important. This next 16 minutes, very important. It's ticking, right? It's time. Time becomes eternal if you do eternal works. It's called turning time into eternity. Only the Christian can do this. Only the Christian can do this. By dwelling in... You, you're a priest. Perform your priestly duties. Perform your priestly rites. It's a privilege. It's the greatest life there is. And if you need mercy and you need grace, you'll get it. You will get it. All right. So if you have any questions concerning what was said, please ask. And if you, you know, bring up some comments. We need to learn some things together. But what I wanted to say, and I don't think I'm going to have to, I won't do this probably next week. In the new heavens and the new earth, the Bible says He's going to put death and hell into the lake of fire. There will be no more death. Well, that means no one's going to die in eternity. It means there's going to be a lot of expansion. Because the Bible says in Isaiah that the, His kingdom will increase forever and ever and ever. There will be no end to His increase. People are going to have to live somewhere. Then people will be living in the heavens. Not now. They can go to Mars all they want to. They're not finding a thing. They're going to be old and gone and dead before they get there, by the way. I mean, it's just silly. It's just silly. Let's live where we are knowing these things and give God honor and glory. Amen.